That is uh, an appropriate song for us to sing as we come to 1 Corinthians 12 and we begin discussing spiritual gifts because unfortunately this world does not use God's wisdom and God's word to make decisions. This world uses experience. Um, This world uses uh, philosophies. This world uses uh, its own heart and what it feels. And that is why we have difficulties with what we would call the charismatic movement. There are those that still believe that the sign gifts are in effect. So when we say the sign gifts, we mean healing and we mean prophecy and we mean speaking in tongues. And there are those that say that these gifts are still utilized on the regular in Christianity. There are some that go so far as to say all Christians need to speak in tongues as evidence that they really are in Christ. And the reality is, if we would simply go to the Word of God and see what the Word of God says and what the Word of God teaches us, then we would have the proper vision that we need. Is the Lord, is His Word, your vision? So let me log in real quick and make sure that all perspective is right. Art is my favorite exclamation point. Check. Password has been submitted. Been submitted. 1 Corinthians 12 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one by the Spirit of God says, or sorry, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are a variety of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And when I'm reading, sometimes it's easy to, to let that gloss over. But each one has been gifted with the Holy Spirit for what? Not your own personal edification, but for the building up, for the edification of others. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. And to another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another, the effecting of miracles, and to another, prophecy, and to another, the distinguishing of spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as He wills. So today, we will only get to part one, of dealing with spiritual gifts. And let me walk through a little bit of what's already been going on in 1 Corinthians. Um, You know that the book begins with an introduction. Paul wrote it to his beloved church at Corinth, which is struggling with various things. After the introduction, he begins to immediately deal with 
divisiveness. And I think this is a, a nice summary. Our title is Correction and Condemnation, or the theme for the book is, we introduced the book, then we were dealing with divisiveness, then we started dealing with tolerance, then we were dealing with lawsuits, then Paul began dealing with immorality, then he's dealing with marriage, not that marriage is sinful, right? A lot of these things are sinful. Marriage isn't sinful, but they had sinful perspectives on it. Then he addressed idolatry, and then he was dealing with gender roles, which we need to hear this in today's age and society, right? And then we had our section, our last two lessons were dealing with fellowship, and now we are dealing with spiritual gifts. And this begins, as you notice, chapter 12, verse 1, and it goes all the way through chapter 14, verse 40. And if you're like me, the more I learn about sign gifts and cessationism and all of these things, the more that I realize how much I don't know or what I have forgotten. Um, One of the uh, kind of authorities in Christianity today on the case for cessationism that the sign gifts have not continued is actually our own Pastor Tom Pennington. Once we are done with the uh, spiritual gifts, then we're going to be dealing with the resurrection, and then we're going to be concluding the book. So that's where we are, and that's where we're going. We start our outline with two reminders that introduce. So we have this section that we have just walked into, two reminders that introduce. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren... I do not want you to be unaware. So this is one of those easy ones, the low-hanging fruit, where he just comes out and says it right away, what he's going to be dealing with. And when he says, I do not want you to be unaware, means I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to err. I, I don't want you to sin through mistake. And if you go back to chapter 10, verse 1, you see the same word. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. I can't have you as a church, I can't have you as an individual, just keep walking the way that you are walking. This is something, this is a problem in your church, and it needs to be addressed. In the church of Corinth, the sign gifts were being elevated above other gifts because they were more powerful or more showy. There were some that genuinely had these gifts because it was still the apostolic age, but then there were a number that weren't and they were jealous or they were faking it. They're faking it. And that's why he gives them this warning. Their services were a service of chaos and he reminds them that God is a God of what? Order. God is a God of order. We see the influence of the spirit of the world. And that's the first reminder that he gives. He says, I don't want you to be unaware. Unaware of what? The influence of the spirit of the world. Well, what do we mean by that? Uh, You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. And we see this same kind of idea in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Where he said, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. So when we see, be thou my vision, 
We can have vision because God has given us the Holy Spirit and God has given us his word so that we may know. We don't have to, to, to be unaware. We don't have to be confused about things. But specifically, he wants to remind them that you were pagans. You were pagans. Now, there are Jews in this church that were Jews and they converted to Christianity. But there are a number of Gentiles that worship false idols. Worship false idols. And when you think of Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 and 2, remember that before Christ, we are all dead in our trespasses and sins. And as a dead person, we have no capability to serve him. But not only were we dead, we were enslaved to various lusts, walking according to the prince of the power of the air. And he said, when you were pagans, you were led astray. And remember, this is a reminder. He's not making fun of them. He's stating a truth. Before Christ, you were pagans and you were led astray. This led astray is especially of being a led astray to trial, prison, or punishment. Okay, before Christ, you were not so smart. You need to remember that. You were tricked and duped and led astray. We see the same word in Acts 12, 19. It said, when Herod had searched for him and had not found him, he examined the guards and ordered that they be led away to execution. In their pagan state, they were being led away for trial, prison, punishment, all of those things. Enslavement to sin. Matthew 7, 13 through 14 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. There are many that look and say, wow, that must be the way. Yeah, that looks good. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Well, the Lord, through the gospel, interacted through the calling of the Holy Spirit, and he changed these pagans, and he called them and drew them to himself to lead them to Christ. But before that happened, they were led astray to mute idols. To mute idols. Stone, wood, concepts even, that had no power, had no authority, and they worshipped them. They worshipped them. And they need to remember this because in their past, they've been led astray before because the world is walking according to who? The prince of the power of the air. The world is doing the work of Satan. The world is seeking to deceive and to distract us. Well, since they've become Christians, he wants them to now remind them the influence of the Spirit of God. Therefore, I make known to you what? That no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. I want you to know that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Are these random sayings that he has? What's he getting at? Well, verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be unaware that you in your own power were led astray. Led astray so much that you worship dumb old idols. Ah, but when the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit is the only one that reveals the truth that Jesus is Lord. He reminds them of the Spirit's preventative power. 
No one speaking by the Spirit of God said Jesus is accursed. Why? Because the Spirit prevents them from that heretical statement. But then we see the Spirit's professing power. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one can come to Christ. No one can be a true believer. No one can confess Jesus is Lord unless the Holy Spirit calls and draws them. David Garland says that it declares absolute allegiance to him and accepts his absolute authority over every aspect of life. You're very familiar with Romans 10 and 9, right? That if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. Well, how does that happen? How did you get there? It wasn't because you were a good person. It wasn't because you were smart. It wasn't because you chose God. It's because the Holy Spirit called you and drew you and gave you the repentance and faith necessary for salvation. Necessary for salvation. So after he reminds them of this, it's the spirit of the world that led you down the path of darkness. But it's the Holy Spirit of God that led you to salvation. He is now going to talk about three differences that unify. And again, remember these reminders. He's wanting them to follow who? The Holy Spirit, right? Follow the Holy Spirit. And how did we get the Bible? The Holy Spirit, inspiration, that process, we have the word now. Three differences that unify. He says in verse 4 that there are a variety in gifts. A variety in gifts. What does he mean by that? Now these, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. What they are. When we say spiritual gift, it is a God-given ability for service. It is an ability that you did not have before conversion. Paul Enns says that a spiritual gift is a gift supernaturally bestowed on a believer. A grace gift, a divine endowment, a special ability for service upon a member of the body of Christ. Millard writes that spiritual gifts are for the edification of the whole body of Christ. Not merely the enjoyment or enrichment of the individual members possessing them. And I know if you have not had certain conversations with people that still believe the sign gifts exist then some of this might be lost on you, all right? So let me give you a little bit of an illustration, all right? There are true and genuine believers that love the Lord that still believe the sign gifts are in use, okay? I had a conversation with one of them a long time ago, and I said, why do you speak in tongues? Why? He said, for, he said, when I... Go speak in tongues. It is for personal edification. Okay? Well, why does he have to say that? Because ain't buddy knowing what he says. He's just spouting gibberish. Tongues in the New Testament, tongues is always a literal language. And we already read that there was the gift of tongues and there was the gift of what? Interpretation. Okay? Well, this guy was not speaking a real language, and he certainly had no one around to interpret it, so he could not claim that the gift he was exercising was for the edification of others. Why? Because it ain't edifying nobody. 
So then he says it's for personal edification. You see the, the circles he has to do? Well, they're not given to us for our personal edification. If you have the gift of mercy, you're not just like continually merciful to yourself. If you have the gift of service, you're not just serving me, myself, and I. If you have the gift of teaching, are you just teaching yourself all day? No, you're using it for the building up of the body of Christ. He says, no person has all the gifts, nor is any one gift bestowed on all persons. And we'll walk through this. And those are the, the verse references. And as I said before, those in the charismatic movement, they will pressure you to speak in tongues. And if you don't speak in tongues, then you've really never received the Holy Spirit. Well, they clearly forget this passage. Something else is their vision in regards to this. That not everybody has the gift of tongues. Not everybody's going to use the gift of tongues. Although not equally conspicuous, all gifts are important. And you know this, right? Verse 22 of chapter 12, on the contrary, is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on those we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. You see, when it comes to um, teaching, that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And people tend to elevate teachers. Why? Because they teach. But there are other people that have the gift of giving. And the gift of giving is done in where? In secret. All right. And then you have the gift of mercy and you got, have the gift of administration. And there's these different gifts. Well, which one's better? It's a trick. Not one is better than the other. But at the church of Corinth, if you could stand up and prophesy, that was special. If you could speak in tongues, that was special. You know which one they didn't really, you know, flaunt that often? The gift of healing. Because then there's actually like a, a proof <laughs> that you have to have there. I have the gift of healing. Heal me. It didn't work. Hmm. Well, what they are not, okay? That's what they are, these gifts. What they are not. Charles Ryrie says a spiritual gift is not a place of service. It's not a place of service, okay? A spiritual gift is not an office, okay? Not like my office that I have up in the main building, okay? It's not an office, a spiritual gift is not a particular age group ministry. Oh, you're spiritually gifted to work with youth. No, that's not it. No one else would take me. No, I love you guys, all right? I love you. And, and there are different kind of like um, in different Christian circles, there's like little tests you take. And they're supposed to tell you what your giftedness is and stuff. We spared you from those things. So it's not, it's not these things, Okay. It's not a speciality technique. It's not a speciality technique. There is no spiritual gift of writing. You know how I know that? It's not in the Bible. It is not listed in any of the lists of the spiritual gifts. There is no spiritual gift of Christian music or Christian education. There are techniques through which spiritual gifts may be channeled. So if you're like, man, I'd be on the music team if the Holy Spirit had just zapped me with the gift of singing. Well, there's not a gift. That, that's a natural talent that you have, okay? Because before you're a Christian, what could you do? Well, you couldn't sing. Well, you still can't sing, all right? But you sing out to the Lord. And there are plenty of pagan people that sing beautifully. 
right? Because that's a, a natural talent that they have. Now, when you're a Christian, you now use that to build up and edify other people, but it's not necessarily a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is not a natural talent. You don't have the spiritual gift of football, all right? You, you don't. You don't have the spiritual gift of piano. There's this idea or this question of an acquired talent. What do I mean by that? An acquired talent is something that you get, something that you gain, all right? If you look at natural talents and you compare them to what we call spiritual gifts, we're going to start here with the source. The source of the natural talent is clearly from God through the parents. You run really fast, you jump really high, you sing really well, that type of thing. The Holy Spirit is from God, not through the parents, but through the Holy Spirit. How is it possessed or when is it possessed? Natural talents are possessed from birth. Now, obviously, that baby can't really run or sing or anything at that moment, but they've got it, right? The spiritual gifts are evidently given at conversion. Given at conversion. What's the purpose? Natural talents are to benefit mankind on the natural level. There are certain things that we can appreciate and that we can enjoy. Wow, they're so good at this because God has, has given them the ability to do this. But spiritual gifts are to what? Benefit mankind on the spiritual level. On the spiritual level. When we're serving and loving and praying and building up and there's the gift of encouragement, okay? We're serving people. We're using our giftedness for the building up the body of Christ. What's the process with natural talents? Well, they must be recognized, developed, and exercised. Even though you have a natural talent, you could be good at something, but you're not going to actually be as good as you could be. Now, there's uh, this guy named Don Whitney. We love Don Whitney. And he's got this theory that if you practice something for 10,000 hours, that's when you become really good at it. And I'm like, look, you can have no talent in your bone and practice for 10,000 hours and you still ain't going to be good at anything, okay? You don't get to 10,000 hours if you don't have any talent for the most part. You give up and do something different. But the same way with spiritual gifts. They must be recognized, developed, and exercised. So let's just take teaching for a moment, all right? Um, in our church, we understand that teaching, uh, you think of, of James 3.1, let not many of you become teachers, for teachers will incur a stricter judgment. We don't just let anybody teach, okay? But we want to give people an opportunity. Well, is the first time up here on a Wednesday with you? For some people, that's the idea. Like, can this guy teach? I don't know. Let's put him in with the youth group. And I'm like, no, then I have to listen to him. Why would I do that? So we have, coming up, we have what we call a practicum. And men apply. We also do this at times with the ladies. And they apply, and they get a passage, and they teach a 15-minute lesson. And if there's some giftedness there, then we would approach them about doing what we would call a cohort, where they practice on each other. And some come out of the cohort and they've gotten this practice and they're ready for the next step. There's some giftedness recognized. There's others that we say, I love you with the love of Christ. The Lord did not gift you to teach, my friend. Have you considered parking lot duty? No, no, there's all other sorts of ministries and things like that that you can be a part of, okay? But you don't just wake up one day, I think I'm going to teach. 
Yeah. Well, it must be recognized, it must be developed, and it must be exercised. I, I remember I, I started teaching my, my senior year of high school, and because I was interested in being a youth pastor, and Rocky identified and said, yes, there's giftedness there. And I taught for a number of years, and uh, it was when Tom did his first teaching seminar that I was like, oh, it all makes sense. This is so much easier, all right? And so we have a training process for those types of things. What, what about the function? Natural talents ought to be dedicated by believers to God for his use and his glory. Whatever you're naturally good at, okay? I hate to spoil it. There is not a spiritual gift of drawing, okay? But man, some of you are good. And you do cool things with that. And sometimes you encourage people with that. Or you make something just beautiful. And it makes us think about, man, it's amazing that God could use people to do something like that. Well, the spiritual gifts ought to be used to glorify God. That's what it's there for. That's why you have that gifting, okay? And so that's a little rundown between spiritual gifts versus natural gifts. And when we say there's a variety in gifts, it may not be that you, Christian, have one gift. It could be that you have multiple gifts. It could be someone I love, I can't remember who this was. It's probably MacArthur then. It said that it's kind of like, sometimes it's like a, a, you know, the painter holds that deal with the globs of paint on it. What's that thing called? Yeah, palette, okay? Right, not the food palette, but the palette with the paint. And sometimes it's got some red and some green and some yellow, okay, and blue. Some of y'all know what those mixture into. And let's say blue is the gift of teaching and red is the gift of administration and yellow is the gift of mercy. And it's kind of like God can take those three colors and mix them up and start painting with you where it's not the most easily definable thing. Like, all right, you don't wake up one day and get an Easter egg and said, I have the gift of helps. You, you serve, and as you do that, you kind of identify what you're good at and what you're natural with and those types of things. But there's a variety in these gifts. But with this giftedness, there's also a variety in ministries. Even though there's a variety of gifts, they've all been given by the same Spirit. Okay? And even though there's a variety of ministries, so for us, we think of there's nursery, there's children's, there's college, there's older people ministries, there's all sorts of ministries, there's, there's a landscaping ministry, and part of all of these things, right? They're, we're here locally, there's others that are abroad. It's still the same Lord. Still the same Lord. And even though there's a variety in produce, says there are a variety of effects but the same God who works all things in all persons. What Paul is walking them through is, sure, there's a variety in gifts, but there is unity in the giver. It's the same spirit that's giving you the gifts. There is a variety in ministries, but there is unity in the minister. Look, verse 5, variety of ministries and the same Lord. You all serve the same master. So as different ministries within the same church, we don't argue and bicker and whatnot. We all work together. We all work together. There's a variety in produce, but unity in the what? In the producer. Our different gifts, our different ministries impact and affect people differently. Differently. 
And the same Lord, the same God is glorified through all of them. And remember, they're elevating certain gifts. This one's better than this one. Oh, I wish I, I wish I had that one and so forth. And what Paul is saying, look, guys, let me remind you. You need to be led by the Spirit. The Spirit is the giver of truth. The Spirit is the giver of these gifts. And the Spirit clearly teaches us that there is unity in the giver, there is unity in the minister, and there is unity in the producer. When he says effects, it's the action as the result of God's energizing power. And we need to keep that in mind. Three differences that unify. Now we have one purpose that regulates. The idea of regulating, manages, controls, influences. That regulates. What do I mean by that? Verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. And to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. And to another faith by the same Spirit. And to another gifts of healing by one Spirit. And to another the effecting of miracles. And to another prophecy. And to another the distinguishing of spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. And to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Verse 7, we have the purpose declared that each one for the common good, when, when we say common good, it means to, to bear or to bring together, to carry with one another. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 33 whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to Jew or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, so that they may be saved. And so you, you hit time out for a moment and you say, wow, when I think of most displays of the sign gifts, All too often, there is a windfall of money associated with those. You go to the healer who has this amazing ministry and things like that. It's to lift someone up, to make someone look better, to puff them up. When in reality, what we have been given is for the common good. The common good. John MacArthur says, if those gifts are not being used, are not being used rightly... The body of Christ cannot be the corporate manifestations of its head. The Lord Jesus Christ and the work of God is hindered. So I, I want to flip this upside down for a moment. You a Christian? Okay, you're a Christian. What have you been given? Salvation. And with the salvation you received? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has given you what? Spiritual gifts? Now I'm just making stuff up, pointing to people. And what are you supposed to use the spiritual gifts for? You're to employ them in the service, in the building up of others. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? You trust God, right? You believe the Holy Spirit. 
You believe his word, right? There's both formal and informal ministry that you should be engaged in in this life. Using the giftedness that God has given to you. Because it's not about you. It's about the common good. We see now the purpose demonstrated. The purpose demonstrated. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. To another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another faith by the same spirit. And to another the gift of healing by one spirit. To another the effecting of miracles. To another prophecy. To another distinguished spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. And to another the interpretation of tongues. When it comes to this purpose that's being demonstrated, there are specific gifts that are listed here. That are listed here. There are other passages like Romans 12 that also list spiritual gifts. So we have a collection of all of the gifts because of different passages. So Romans 12 lists prophecy. Now, Depending on who you talk to, prophecy to some is a declaration of God's word. So if I read the Bible and I declare it to you, I have the gift of prophecy. Okay, I don't really like that definition. Okay, to me, a prophet in the Old Testament was someone who what received direct revelation and then communicated it. All right, but you also have in Romans twelve, you have the gift of service. Some of you are just so good at that. Man, those chairs are out there and you're like, man, I got to help. And Roseanne needs help and I got to clean this up and I got to do this. And oh, hey, you need something at your house? I got to go, I got to go do it. Well, why is that? You're better at that because you're gifted in that. And I love our youth leadership team. It takes so many different, okay? Some are just serve, 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 go, go, go. It's a giftedness. Well, we already covered teaching. We talked about that. There's exhortation. There are some people that are especially good. Um, you think of like home fellowships and they're not really teaching a formal lesson, but they're exhorting. Or there's the people that can say, hey, tell me about your day and your life. Oh, did you ever think of this? And you're like, whoa. Giving. I do not have the gift of giving. Okay, do not. But I'm commanded to give. Right? Some of you, it just flows out. Now, I'm not saying given to... To, to, you know, to get more V-Bucks or to Amazon or something like that. I'm talking about like giving to the church and giving to missionaries and, and those types of things. There's gifts of leadership. There's a gift of mercy. Again, don't have it. Okay, don't have it. You're laughing. You agree. I know. You're smart. But there's some of you that's, oh, tell me about your day. And, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And just, oh, man, that, I love you so, you know, whatever it is, okay? Give them mercy. Here we have 1 Corinthians 12. And let me boil down the ones we just listed, okay? He talks about wisdom, talks about knowledge, and he talks about faith. Now, those three, all right, those three, what is the gift of wisdom? I don't know either, okay? It, it's, it could be there are people that are like, you think of the owl, that just, boom, they get it. They know it. It's just rolling around. But then there's others that would say that the wisdom was kind of more of a, a direct revelation in the, the moment to know exactly what to do. Well, you think of Solomon. Two ladies fighting over a baby. He's like, give me a sword. And what do you know? They fixed it, right? 
So wisdom is one of those that's in a category that it could be reading and understanding the, the word and, and knowing how to apply wisdom to the situation, okay? So that could be an ongoing one or it could be a, a special one. The same thing with knowledge. Same thing with knowledge and faith. What does that mean? Uh, to me personally, some of you just, just trust. You just believe. You, you, you persevere and you're not, you don't waver because you have this deep trust. And some of you, the moment something goes wrong, you're jumping out of the ship. The ones in red, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Those are what we would call the apostolic sign gifts. When the church was first being established, Peter, Paul, John, so forth. They would roll into town and they would tell the message of Jesus. Okay? To some of these townspeople, they're like, who are you? And then what do you know? They would heal someone. They go, oh, I'm listening. Or you have like in Acts 2, when you have the Holy Spirit, and you had all of these people that lived in all of these different areas, and the Holy Spirit came down, and they started to all understand what? The same language. So they can understand each other. Well, that's a gift of tongues. So when you would go somewhere that speaking a different language, the Holy Spirit could help you and could guide you so that they could let, that there was a purpose to these. When they would heal someone, they'd go, wow, I got to hear that message. When they would do a miracle, oh man. When they would prophesy, we would get the word of God. This distinguishing of spirits and tongues and interpretation of tongues. That's what these gifts were for. So when the apostles gave us the complete canon of scripture, we now no longer have what we call the sign gifts. And we could go on in this all day. We don't have time for it, but I just want you to think. Think of times of miracles throughout history. Adam and Eve do miracles? No, no miracles. There's no miracles. There's no healing. There's no sign gifts until you get to what? You have like Moses, right? And why did Moses, why was he able to do miracles? There was something amazing going on. God was leading his people out of Egypt. So he used miracles to do it. Okay? Other people in the Old Testament that actually did miracles? That's right, Elijah. Okay? Elijah, one of the prophets who was verifying his message. Remember the battle on Mount Carmel with the, the prophets of Baal? He did miracles. And, and who's the other one that did miracles? Elisha his protege. God, it wasn't like everybody was just skipping through Jerusalem, healing people, right? Beards are very special pockets of time. And the next one to do miracles was Jesus and his apostles. So the charismatic will paint it as this is the norm that always happens. And that's not really reality. Not really reality. These are what we would call the sign gifts while we were waiting for the completion of the canon of Scripture and the establishment of the church. You also have Ephesians 4, which lists apostles and prophets. There's some churches today, you'll show up, they have apostles. 
which means that they say that they have seen the risen Lord and they have been directly commissioned by Jesus himself to bring the gospel. That's what an apostle is, okay? But those churches have apostles. But we also have evangelists. You know those people that are just really, really good at sharing the gospel and like nothing phases them. They'll just walk into a, you know, a group or, you know, whether they're with a friend or something like that and you're kind of nervous about sharing and they're just... You think of our missionaries that are going out and they're spreading the, so that's an evangelist. And then you have a, a special role of a, a pastor teacher, pastor teacher. John MacArthur says, because the scriptural lists are not identical. Ha, ah, I think it is him that did the paintbrush thing, okay? It seems clear that God did not intend to give his church either a rigid or a precise and exhaustive compilation, but rather general categories. One should not overdefine the gifts because they resist overclassification. There's not much value in taking tests. And again, you've never done this, but I don't know. I can't remember if it's Baptist church or whatever. It was like, what's your, what's your giftedness? And so you would take like a paper test. And at the end, it would be like, you have the gift of love or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay, thank you. To determine what spiritual gifts we have. A believer's gifts can be an overlapping combination taken in different proportions from the categories of gifts. If you want to know what your giftedness is, you should serve. And there's things that you'll be good at and there's things that you'll be bad at. And that kind of helps. You should minister to people. You should love people. Be involved in things. And that will let you know. And I, I mentioned this. When I was um, going into my senior year, I told Rocky, I said, I really feel like the Lord is leading me to be a youth pastor. And uh, we kind of talked through some different options. But what he did is he allowed me to start serving as a leader because middle school was junior high on Tuesday. Mega twos back in the day. And then high school was on Wednesday. So I, I double dipped and did both. And so he let me teach lessons. And then he talked to me about the lessons. And he let me run outposts when I was uh, a senior in high school. And he let me do stuff. And he let me have a small group. And through all of that, at the end, he was like, there's, there's a giftedness there for these areas that a youth pastor would do. Well, it's the same way with any spiritual gift. Any spiritual gift. Verse 11 is our conclusion. But one in the same spirit works all these things. Distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Okay? So there's our conclusion verse. Keep that in mind. One in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. It is just as he wills. Remember in our reminder that when they were pagans, they were led astray by the deceptions of the spirit of the world. But now that they are Christians, they should allow themselves to be guided by the truths of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is working on behalf of God. Even though there are different gifts, even though there are different ministries, even though there are different, you know, uh, produce, but one in the same Spirit works all these things. And you can believe that that Spirit is working in harmony with God the Father and God the Son for the building up of the church for the glory of God distributing to each one individually just as he wills. And that distribution that regulates us 
is that we have been given that giftedness for the common good. We have been given that to build up others and to see them glorify Christ. My challenge to you, are you going to faithfully use your giftedness for the furtherance of the kingdom and the building up of the body of Christ? Or are you going to take the wonderful giftedness that God has given you and hide it under a bushel and be lazy and serve yourself? A Christian wants to advance the gospel in unity. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be able to study your word, to be able to understand it. We're so thankful for the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And I pray that you would give us wisdom to understand some very difficult truths that we're going to be walking through for the next couple of weeks about gifts. May we be committed to you and commit to one another to build up one another for your glory. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.